Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Free Idiots and a Movie. I'm Joel. I'm Kyle. That was a bit awkward. Wasn't it? Oh shit! Do you oh, want no. to try that again? No, nah, we'll be good. Nope, stick with Keep it. it in. I'm scared. Oh no, I'm keeping it in. But I was like, do you want to say your names again? Nah. Show the world how scuffed we are. I'm Kyle. That's Scott. Pleasure to meet you. Pleasure My name is GF. I'm glad everyone liked that joke. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh, 2010 of you. Well, that's just blatantly wrong because the film came out after that. It's a 2014 film. Is it? Yeah. It's from a film? Yeah. Yes. I'm sorry. I don't know my history of that meme. But it's from 22 Neither. Jump Street. I've never seen that. I think you're the only person that knows that. I'm definitely not considering that's what the clip is from. Uh, <laughs> what? The clip from the My Name is Jeff is from 22 Jump Street. I thought that was just something like people memed and just said to each other. Like, no, no, it's because there's a bit in the movie when he's like, try, I can't remember the exact context, but they're trying to do like an undercover drug deal. And <laughs> Jonah Hill introduces Chan and Tatum. He goes, Yeah, this is my boy. And Chan and Tatum just looks at the guy and goes, Name Jeff. That's where it came from. Huh. I didn't know that was from a movie. Yeah, no, yeah. There's a bit of meme history for you boys. Thank you. Oh, God. Do we want to get back on topic? But yes. Are we ever on topic? Are we ever on topic is the real question. Today, we are talking about a good movie. Uh, I think this should count as a Christmas film because there's a Christmas party in it. Kyle was not a fan of that opinion no however i do have a point to make about this movie and it's that you fell asleep halfway through it and i'm right. also echoing the reason i fell asleep is because i was on two hours of sleep no nah, it's just a snore fest i will i will shank you don't okay. think i will like I fell asleep because I didn't have any sleep the night before. I woke up and watched the film again. Because it's that this, good. This is just your subconscious agreeing with Kyle. It's definitely not. <laughs> I, fo I fall asleep at every movie. Are you an old man? I am. I am. I, I fall asleep constantly. I think... 90% of the films I watch, if I try and watch a film like after 11pm, there's a good chance I'm falling asleep. I could I could be watching the most exciting film of all time and I'd fall asleep. Like, I don't even remember when I fell asleep during the film. I just remember watching the film, having a jolly good time, singing a bit of Huey Lewis in the news. And then I woke up and it was 4am. Kyle, you were there. When did he fall asleep? About, like, 60% of the way through the movie. I was so disoriented when I woke up. I only noticed you had, like, fallen asleep, because, like, I, I said a couple of memes through the movie, and I was like, oh, man, these memes are just, like, they're not hitting. You ain't saying shit. And then I heard snoring over the mic, and I was like, oh, all right, okay. <laughs> 
That explains everything. I'll join you for the next watch group then. You don't need to sit and just listen to him snore. Oh, happy well, days. We can just bully him. Me and you can watch next week's film together, Scott. Uh, that'd be good. Yeah. And I will have a coffee or something so I don't fall asleep. But I'll anyway, supply you with Red Bull. Nice. Anyway, we are talking about American Psycho. Now, this was the first time watching it for both of you, wasn't it? For me, at least, yeah. Yep. Well, before going into it, what kind of what knowledge did you have of the movie? Because I know it seemed uh, kind of like a a weird uh, renaissance recently, where it just seems to be showing up everywhere, and I partially blame that on people that don't understand the movie. <laughs> I'd seen a couple of memes. Yeah. Um, I'd seen the card scene. Mm-hmm. It feels like. More than that, I just heard a lot of hype, really. Andrew Tate came along, and was Andrew Tate, and he can go fuck himself. But he effectively is Patrick Bateman. Just the dumb loser who's full of himself. That's just incredibly... See, if you were to say to him that he's Patrick Bateman, though, he'd probably take that as a compliment. Well, no, that's why I'm saying that's why I think this film had, like, its resurgence in popularity is because people like Andrew Tate and Andrew Tate's fans watch the movie and don't realise it's satire. And they sit and watch the film like, yeah, I like this Patrick Bateman guy. I can see myself in him. (laughs) That's not how you're meant to view the movie. Yeah, no... But I feel like that's kind of part of why it's had this resurgence in popularity. But yeah, the, less, it, the less said about that guy, the better. Apart from the... Agreed. If, if he somehow listens to this podcast, he can turn it right off and just do like a... a he can go fuck himself. Do you have anything to add on to that, Carl? Um, the people that see themselves in Patrick... Are also off of their meds. Yes, I genuinely am terrified of anyone that watches this film and goes, "Yeah, I can see myself in this guy." <laughs> relatable. <laughs> if someone watches this film and thinks it's relatable, that's terrifying. I've got news for you, Jill. You yeah, heard you, my opinion. Yeah, but you're oh, saying no. it, you would say it in an ironic way. Yes, I would. At least we hope. <laughs> That's what he tells us. You don't know what I do. Scott, Scott wakes up every morning and looks into the mirror and goes, my mask of sanity is slipping. You haven't seen my skincare routine. <laughs> you, haven't seen him, <laughs> you haven't seen him do his crunches in his boxes while watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, do we want to do first opinions? Kind of the, just a quick summary of what, what you thought. I'll let you two go first, because I know you have different opinions to me. Oh, let's go worst to best. Kyle, you go first. <laughs> oh, boy. So, I actually have like a little script here, just so I can get all of my points across. So, whilst watching the movie, I was struck by how incredibly dull the majority of the movie is. Yes, there are interesting points, and that is rather comedic at times, but for the most part, it's as if, it is as if they tried to make a movie as outlandish as possible. I hate reading stuff I've written. 
Mm. I mean, that is kind of the point, though, isn't it? It's kind of. To be outlandish. I mean, how much of it actually happens is a debate we can have. Yeah, yeah. I've got points about that throughout my notes here. Um, however, based upon the ending of it, it was moderately interesting as a whole. I do believe it just kind of insists upon itself, and with all that negativity said, I can appreciate that Christian Bale gave it every single ounce of like his all in his acting, um, but I just couldn't connect with the movie at all, and the story felt like it went nowhere. I, w- I don't think any other actor could have portrayed Patrick Bateman. He just he plays it so well. He does, yeah. Know. And he I know does. in I know in interviews the director said that he, she gave him the part because when they were doing their auditions, he was like the only actor that seemed to understand that this isn't a thriller, this is a comedy. Mm-hmm. He was yeah. the only actor that ca- that understood that, and he, his performance is wacky, but it's it's so good. Yeah, I can. Continue. Uh, unlike Kyle, I'm not prepared, but I did find it a very relatable show. No. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit confused uh, for the first wee bit when things were going on. Um, when he, like he would say stuff under his breath and nobody would notice, or full on have scenes and nobody seemed to notice. That's the only bit that really I didn't quite get. It might have been better if I watched it again. First yeah, I impressions. Think it's, it's definitely a film that that benefits upon multiple rewatches. Yeah, I think that's something where like my first impressions are probably different than if I was to watch it again. Yeah. Mm. Other than that, I mean, that's it, fair because that's yeah. good though. Because like we've got viewpoints here now of people that have never seen the film before this is the only time they've watched it and then i think this is like my fifth or sixth time seeing the film yeah i mean i went in with the hype that the film has and i didn't feel like it lived up to it see i think that's the only problem is that the film has too much hype like i think i think personally that it is like a five stars great film but i think it just gets talked about so much that it's never gonna live up to the expectations that are set for it right now i think it's i think when it came out which is like 2000 yeah it was 2000 it would have been it would have been better because at that point that was pre-2008 pre any crash and if you're on Wall Street and you're doing that, you are the, you're the shit. Which yeah, is why they're so full of themselves. But now we out, don't quite look at that the same way. It came out at the height of the kind of Wall Street dickhead. Yeah. Period. I think I was lucky in the fact that when I watched this originally, it was before the kind of blow up of the film again. So I had heard nothing about it from like social media or anything my friend was just like hey this film's good you should watch it so i went into it having no clue what i was about to witness and i think i think it does benefit from having no clue what's gonna happen 
Because yeah, so your your first impressions were a lot more. Mine clean. were a lot more tame. Mine were just a friend saying, "You should watch this film with Christian Bale in it. It's really good." It wasn't millions upon millions of memes getting posted every day. People saying it's the greatest film ever made. He's literally me. Yeah, like because I wouldn't say it's the greatest <laughs> film ever made. I'll put that. I wouldn't say that. It's, I wouldn't even put it in my top ten. But it is. I still think it is a really good film. But yeah, I, ca- I can see for both of you that the film is is incredibly oh. overhyped. Kyle, mm. is it better than Pan Man? Um, no. Scott, That's scathing criticism. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's better than Pan Man. <laughs> I don't think it's fair to compare the two because they're so different. I think it is. I think it's fair. Because I think Panman's <laughs> well. He does say anything he watches the podcast. He watches it. Has he got access to our cameras? Sorry, he listens to the podcast. Well, I, don't I think hope he's not watching the <laughs> I hope he can't see me, dear God. He's just, just sees you in like a slouched pan- in a chair. Slouched in a chair in a full Panman cosplay. Oh no, I'm wearing like a dinosaur hoodie with like little spikes <laughs> on the arms. And... <laughs> yeah. It's got like spikes on the arms on the hood. You want Your me to Christmas wear it to work? Jumper. I mean, it's not right. very Christmassy though. Scott, we need you to get an outlandish hoodie now as well though. Because Kyle has the dinosaur hoodie. I have the Knopf hoodie. Yeah, I don't have I don't have many hoodies. Um I'll get an outlandish one. Cool. Apologies. I just threw my phone across my desk. Nice. Good. I heard that. Yeah, that was me just throwing something at my mic. Why? I don't know. I'm just tossing it in my hand. Oh, you're not right. Uh, right, let's let's, <laughs> let's crack on with the movie then. So, uh, I have quite. I this is probably the most detailed I've gone into the notes for any film that we've done so far. So feel free to introduce whenever you want, boys. But I kind of have like a play by play. I I tried to go as hard as Kyle did for the descent because he really set a standard there. Same with Sinister. I feel like Kyle's Kyle set a standard for hosting on this podcast that that no one has come close to yet. Apologies. Last week, yeah, I'm sorry for last <laughs> week. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't going to yeah, say it. Yeah, no, you're right. I think yeah. you said more in the start of this podcast than you did the entirety of last episode. I said more. I certainly didn't have more active brain cells at the point. <laughs> I Some some editing did happen on that episode. I got it open in Audacity. It just scrolled through and the amount of times I could just see just no audio because Scott was mid sentence and then just stopped talking. Brain just shut down. <laughs> oh god, it was so funny though. Who knew sleep matters? You're it? so hyped to talk about bullet train as well. I know. I really like it. <laughs> it wasn't like it was a film that we're like, alright, we gotta squeeze this in so we're Scott's like, oh come on, let's do bullet train. So, uh Film has kind of an intro sequence, which I like. You don't see intro sequences in films that much these days, do you? Uh, only really in like action comedies now. 
Yeah, this has quite a nice. It's very elegant, and it kind of sets the sets the kind of mood for the characters that we're about to encounter. Not the film, but the characters. So it's a kind of white background of the the American Psycho title, and it then kind of pans through the restaurant as we see the actors' names. So opens on the four of them having dinner, and uh, one quote from this scene is, speaking of reasonable, only 570. This straight away shows you the kind of people that they are, because in no world am I going to a restaurant with four people and thinking that 570 is a reasonable price. That is roughly $140 per person. And this I... is back. This is twenty three years ago. That's a bit insane. Yeah, I would say a hundred and f- yeah, I would say the price for one person is what I would expect, like a full meal for four to be. Yeah, like I'm saying, like sixty quid's the most I'm spending on a meal for myself. I would say that's high, but yeah, yeah no, that's but really that's what high. I'm meaning is like if I'm going out for a fancy dinner, sixty's the most I'm spending on myself. I'm spending no more than thirty. It's just getting a Big Mac. <laughs> Big Mac? How much are you paying for your yeah, Big Mac? Where are you getting Look, your Big Mac? When was the last time you lads went to McDonald's? Because it's, it's a bit pricey these days. Like um, six months ago. About two or three weeks ago. Because last time I was in Glasgow, it was pretty pricey. You can still get like a yeah, but Big Mac and a meal for like seven what you do is What you do is you, get, you go, and this is off topic again, you get the wrap of the day. Because it's one ninety nine. It's the McDonald's hack. You get the wrap of the day. They're charging sixty quid for a Big Mac. I'm expecting like two hot brunettes as well. I'll tell you. You know, it's the most disappointing burger I've ever had. I went to Big Gordo's restaurant at Heathrow Airport, and I got I got the burger. And let me tell you. That's the worst burger I've had in my life. I don't know that airport food is ever that good. Yeah, it's just... No, but it was like an actual restaurant in there. Heathrow Airport has got mad restaurants. But, yeah, nah, it tasted awful. It had like this... They didn't make... Like, the sauce was bad. It was watery sauce. that was just sour. I would have honestly rather taken a Rustler's burger, and I paid forty pound for this burger. Jesus! The Coke alone was nine pounds. I would go hungry rather than spend like fifty quid on a Coke and a burger. It was one of those moments that we'd already sat down when we saw the price, and I was like, "Ah, I can't leave now." No, no, the social anxiety kicks in. Yeah, (laughs) only, only, only to degree. There is a line. Like twenty quid for a burger? Okay. okay. Yeah. Social anxiety will keep you firmly rooted on that chair. But anything above that. Well the problem was we'd taken our jackets and everything off as well. You put that them maybe back adds on. another five pounds nah. max. You can't you can't like nah. And our luggage was tucked away. Because we were taking carry on luggage. Nah. Nah. Because nah. anybody that sees you leave that's sitting in there knows what the prices are and they're not gonna judge you. Oh, no, all I will say is the clientele that were in that restaurant, they would have judged us. Then why do you care about their opinions? <laughs> that's a good point, that's a good point. I know that's not how social anxiety works. 
I but, yeah, we kind of just like looked at each other over the menus and we're like, uh oh. We've gone <laughs> way off topic. Yeah. We have, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so after the restaurant, it cuts to a nightclub again. We see them pay to skip the queue here, just kind of reinforcing that the the kind of people they are, you know, they don't. Well, as we've just proven with the little tangent we went on there, they don't have the same view of money as us. You know, they like ah oh, five hundred and forty pounds per person for a meal, no bother. Sliding the bouncer. A decent chunk of change to get in a little bit quicker, no problem at all. And even when they go into the bar, I think it was like twenty-five quid a drink they were paying for, like a vodka lemonade. Sounds like um, what you call it? What's it called when there's like a large gathering of people listening to musicians again? A concert. That's the one. Concert prices. Oh my days. <laughs> It's real unfortunate that you just made fun of Scott's brain not working last week. Yeah, my brain is uh, rather melty. That's not what I want you call it again, where people gather and listen to musicians. In all fairness, I've got a bunch of League of Legends going on in my head. The way oh, you said musicians rather than just listen to like artists made me think, are you meaning more like, like the opera. more fancy, like opera? No, no, what no. Are you... no. I've never been to an opera. And I never intend to. It's a good browser, to be fair. It is good it's browser. not. It's just a piece of chromium. <laughs> Everything's a <laughs> piece of chromium, though. Firefox isn't. Firefox isn't, but it's Firefox. And I like Firefox is good these days. Right, shut up, nerds! We're talking movies. Are we, though? So, um, whilst he's at the bar... He threatens the bartender, and this is the first instance in the film where I think we kind of see that Patrick's a, an unreliable narrator. Because the film is kind of narrated by him throughout. So when she tells him that he can't pay with the little drink token, he calls her he calls her ugly and talks about like stabbing her and drinking her blood or something. I think it's playing around in her blood. Yeah. She doesn't react and just continues the conversation as if that didn't happen. This happens quite a lot throughout the film, and I do think this is, since we're hearing the story as told by Patrick, he embellishes a lot of the details. Do we, to want, to, him... do we want to address that now or at the end? I think we'll talk about it just kind of as the points come up. Okay. But I, yeah, I think he does kind of just... We, a lot of the time we see stuff that didn't exactly happen. But it's the way he thinks it happened. So after this, as a, uh, we learn about Patrick's daily routine. Now, Scott, do you want to talk about his daily routine? I know you were talking about it before we started recording. He's got some excellent skincare routine. Good exercise routine. Far too many reps, but good, good. A thousand setups. I think that's another case of him embellishing. Yeah, good point. What about you, Carl? Um, he must wake up really early. Well, see, I don't think he does because I have this noted down. He doesn't work. Yeah, all. we never see him do a single bit he of work. He doesn't work. Like throughout the entire movie, he never works. 
We've never seen any of them working. No. They're always just either at dinner, or the only time we see him in his office, he's like sitting doing a crossword or just listening to some tunes. And he's always, oh, sorry, I have to run out to this dinner date. Like, he never actually does his job. I'm out for lunch. He has to return his videotapes. I like that one. <laughs> it's just... It's just oh, I'm sorry, I've got to get... I've got to return some videotapes. Yeah, so that, it's such yeah. a great excuse. <laughs> you got to start using that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, we then skip to, to a scene in his office where he's shown to be quite sexist towards his secretary. He's telling her to dress kind of prettier and stuff like that. Just mainly talking about her looks and just getting her to do kind of mundane tasks that don't really... Like... I'd like to point something out here about the secretary. Um, it's not my own thing. I think I saw it in a comment on something. She's the only person that ever acts normally and ever sees what actually, what he actually says when he's either embellishing or imagining. She seems to be the only one that actually reacts like a person would. Yeah, because I suppose she reads his journal at the end. And she hears him like screaming and shouting through the phone and that lot. Yeah. Well, sorry, that's an aside. Continue. Yeah, no, well, that's fine. Um, yeah, so anyway, he's, he's not he's not very nice to her, and which will directly go against something that he says shortly. I have that note down. But then, two seconds. Sorry, do you guys want to have a quick conversation about the film so far? I need to grab a drink. Okay. I'm gonna bring up Tate because I think Joel's right in this, and I'd like to. Just bring up one of the lines that if people ever agree with any of the people here, one of the lines later on is, there are no girls with good personalities. Which I feel like could have been dragged straight out of a Tate YouTube video. Yeah, honestly, and it she felt like I really, yeah. It felt like the Andrew Tate podcast, and that hurt. Because yeah. it's just like, it's I'm afraid I've never listened to that. I have unfortunately seen clips on Instagram, and I block them all. But it's annoying. But he like it even made me think. There's a thing Instagram's that... recommending it to you. It knows what you like. The algorithm knows you. The it's calling you. It's not know me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm sure yours is just cursed to hell. Mine is cursed. Scott, half of my videos now are monkeys giving me the middle <laughs> finger okay. because that's all you send me. <laughs> I will wake up and it'll say real from Scott and I'll click on it and it's a monkey giving me the middle <laughs> finger. <laughs> or there's, oh, the, no. or there's the orangutan that eats the vegetables and then farts and then looks shocked at his own fart. Uh, I think I said you one of them driving around as well. Yeah, but yeah, there's like he even talks about this thing about how women were worth more back in the olden days. For some reason, I, it's just stupid, but it does sound exactly like something that the four of them would say. And I think, I think I don't think I've ever seen that. I didn't know those four of them. 
I've only ever seen meant, clips of him. I meant four in the movie. Oh, okay. Like the stuff oh, right, in the okay. podcast sounds like the four of them. Okay, cool. All I know is his shiny bald head could be used as a flashbang if you shone a torch into it. <laughs> That's probably oh, how he dear. evades the police when they try and arrest him for his crimes. Blind. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so we then see him in the car with his fiance. They're going to dinner. All he cares about is listening to his, his tunes. And then he says to her he can't take the time off work because he's so busy, which, again, is quite funny considering, as we say, you don't see him work throughout the entire movie. And he also says that he wants to fit in, which I think kind of... <laughs> He seems a lot of the stuff in the film he do, he acts not like a person would act. He but, doesn't want to fit in though. No. He wants to stand out. Yeah. He he wants to be noticed, which is one of the things whether all this imagination stuff, whether it's actually him in his imagination, because he's just another flat Wall Street guy. And this is how he imagines himself being someone. Yeah, so I will say that the uh, just to, in regards to the imagination stuff before we get too deep into talking about it, the director of the film and the writer have came out and said that he is a serial killer. But it's the kind of details of what happened. Like, he did kill the people, but it's the kind of showmanship of it all is how much of that was embellished when he was retelling it for the film. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh we then get to the restaurant and this kind of shows how superficial Patrick is. He has uh his man Timothy's getting a bit frisky with his fiance, but he's too busy staring at his own reflection and sorting his hair in the metal menu. He also because... doesn't care that she's having no, an affair. Because he's having one. Yeah. And it, yeah. There's no nice characters in this film. Maybe no. a sec. No, his secretary. His secretary's yeah. fine. And Willem Dafoe. Can't be dissing. Willem Dafoe. Oh, sorry. Is that the detective guy? Yeah. 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 Now, do I have a fun fact about Willem Dafoe? Oh boy. Oh boy. I've told. Have I told both of you this? I don't think you said anything to me. Oh, so, I can't remember the exact film. This may be fake. I kind of want to half fact check it. Um, no, commit. Right, I'll commit. So, there was a film where he was meant to do like a nude scene. Where is this film? What's its name? Uh, wait, I've looked it up. <laughs> uh, doo -doo -doo. On the Lars von Trier film Antichrist, he was. Apparently, he was meant to have like full frontal nudity, but I swear I read online that his like penis was just distractingly large. <laughs> and this is just yes, stuck in I your found head. It. Uh, Von Trier revealed in an interview that Willem Dafoe actually needed a double for his sex scenes because his penis was so large that everyone in the room got confused. <laughs> 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 oh, suffering from success there. 
every time I see you in a film now, that's all I can think about. Such an outrageous fact. I'm something of a hung man myself. <laughs> but the mind goblin. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, here, um, they're kind of having a talk about the war in Iran and stuff like that. And uh, Patrick says that it's not important, and his exact quote is, well, we have to end the apartheid for one and slow down the nuclear arms race, stop terrorism and world hunger. We have to provide food and shelter for the homeless and oppose racial discrimination and promote civil rights, whilst also prompting equal rights for women. We have to encourage a return to traditional moral values, most importantly, we have to promote general social concern and less materialism in young people. Now, every single thing he says there, he goes against in the movie. Hmm. I think he's quoting a news thing. That sounds he, like a news... Yes, so in the end of the film, when they're all sitting in the bar, there's a Reagan speech playing in the background, and you can't fully hear all of it, but it sounds incredibly similar to what he says here. So it does just sound like he's repeating something he's seen on the news to to kind of make himself look smart. I think he's trying to fit in. Yeah. But if we go through here, um, he says, we have to provide food and shelter for the homeless. We'll get to mm. it soon, but <laughs> he, he does not do that. Um, oppose racial discrimination. He's mm. When he talks to the detective about Huey Lewis in the news. He says some some racist statements that I will not repeat. Um, whilst also prompting equal rights for women, and tie that back into the scene with his secretary, where all he cares about is if she looks good enough for working in the office. And then finally, less materialism in young people. Videotapes. <laughs> well, yeah, the whole film is he's just Gucci don't touch the watch. All he cares about is the way he dresses and the way he looks. Sorry, so, I googled there because there was another thing which I thought popped up with the the racism was too black sounding, the music. That, that's the bit I was... Is that what you were talking about? Yeah, that's the part I was talking about. Uh, anyway, so, yeah. He's a massive hypocrite already. Five minutes into the movie. So then we cut to him yelling at the dry cleaners. Um, he also is a bit racist to them, making fun of them because he doesn't speak their language and stuff like that. And so we see these kind of red stained sheets that he's trying to get cleaned, which he claims is cranberry juice. <laughs> mm. Yes. That's I a lot of cranberry juice. I see spilled it on lots of sheets. Yeah, I, I, they just hey when you're in bed drinking some cr cranberry juice, and yeah. you just spill it. I guess everywhere, all over my clothes. It stains real bad as well. Yeah, yeah. and then, yeah, he there's a woman that comes in here and asks him to go out like catch up, and he just couldn't care less. He asks her, okay, this Saturday, and when she said yes, he goes, oh, can't busy. Just, and then just walks away. But 
it, on the same time, he's making her wait and try and get his dry cleaning. So he is just using people for his own gain. So then we cut back to his house. And there. Uh, we see one of the videotapes he's talking about, I'd say. He is just sitting on the couch watching porn. Like, casually, just watching it in the background. You're saying you don't do that? No, I do not. Do yeah. you, Scott? You're the weird one here. Kyle? Can you weigh in on I... this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I ever have, but You're nice maybe way. someday. Kyle is really a dilemma there. Does he continue with Scott's bit, or...? No. I think we've established that anything I see in this review is... Um, so... Yeah. He then tries to book a table at Dorcia, and again, here's another bit where I think we see him being a bit of an, an unreliable narrator, because the waiter... We hear through the phone, the waiter just laughs at him. I don't think that's what happened. I think he got told no, but in his mind, him not getting the table is the same as being laughed at. Do you have any opinions on that one? I don't know. It's like what you, you imagine when you think, oh, they're going to laugh at me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Is he secretly an introvert? I think he's just a psychopath. He's, he's an introvert and he's trying to fit in. I'm saying that all introverts are psychopaths. Don't try and justify this man's actions, Scott. I think he just gets a bad rap. <laughs> uh, the the three idiots in a movie podcast do not associate with the opinions of Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> One third of it does. No, the other idiot is... Just whoever we bring on as a guest. When Scott's inevitably <laughs> off sick again. <laughs> so I don't he... plan to be off sick for another week. Oh nice. So then he goes out <laughs> to he goes out to dinner with Courtney, who he is having an affair with, who is Lewis Carubber's fiance. Um he claims to her that they're going to Dorcia. And they're not. They're not at Dorcia, but she's so drugged out that she doesn't realize. He then he orders for her, but he doesn't even pick. Like it kind of shows you again how he just does what he thinks he should do, because he orders based on a I think it was a New York Times review. That like he just goes, they said this was good, so we'll get this. And then we then cut to the most iconic eh, tide, I'd say. For the most iconic scene in the movie. The meeting room. So first here, uh, Paul Allen mistakes Patrick for Marcus. I think this is probably one of the most real things that happens in the film. I do think that Patrick's main problem... Not problem. I do think that he's just so... Kind of... Try to think of the right words. He's just so obsolete in his day-to-day -day that nobody really cares about him, mm -hmm. apart from his, like, close group of friends. I think they're all like that, though. Yeah. That's him. He's trying to not be that. But yeah, uh, then 
but then when he's narrating to herself about him getting confused, he again points out that he thinks that he has a slightly better haircut than Marcus. Again, kind of showing the insecurities that he has. He has to be better. He can't stand not being better than everyone else. Which is then highlighted in the business card scene. Now, I have talked for quite a while here, so do you boys want to hype in with some opinions on the business cards? I can hype in with... Uh, hype in? Jesus, I can't speak. Um, I can chip in with some opinions. It's a very good scene. Um, any criticism of the film aside, it's very well shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I remember hearing that he could sweat on command, basically. What? What? I don't that remember would make that's sense. right, but I think he got to the point where he could. I mean, you've seen what he does for going through movies, so. Imagine being able to sweat on command. Yeah. It's such a useless Christian, superpower. Christian Bale learned how to sweat on command for American Psycho. I don't even know how you go about learning that. Just built different. Built different. Anyway, dedication to a scene. Yeah. Hmm. He's um, one of the most dedicated actors going. It's it's just a deck measuring contest. Yeah. It's just yeah. my card's better than yours. Oh, show us yours. For one thing I think is that all four business all five, sorry. They're near identical. Almost. No 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 no. Like, they're all sorry. slightly different. Yeah, but they're so minusculely different. There's a watermark on one of them. Like, they're just white business cards with quite a basic black font. One of them has gold font. No, that's later. That's later. Oh, yeah. But, yeah I think the gold and, font was a bit too flashy for what it's meant to be. And he effectively nearly breaks down into tears that someone else prefers other people's cards to his. He did bring up the subject. Like, he, he started that whole thing. Yeah, I think he it's like he tries to go, look how look how cool I am with this fancy business card. And he's just immediately just knocked down. And Once I think again, this, relatable. This, I think this is one of the kind of scenes in the film where we see the real Patrick Bateman. Is this is him into in his day to day, you know? He's just He's not the the cool, suave man that he pretends to be when he's narrating the film. Mm-hmm. So then, just having a mental breakdown, essentially. Yeah. Well, then he the the film gets a bit violent. So he is walking home and he sees a homeless man and he's like, "Do you want some money? Do you want the house? Do you want somewhere to stay?" And the man's like, "Oh yes, please." But then he just snaps. And he's just like, why don't you get a job? Just starts kind of just harassing this homeless man. And I think I think he's taking out the anger from the guard yeah. scene. I think that's what this is. Yeah. And then he stabs the man. And then he does the toughest scene to watch in this entire film. I was so mad. Kyle yeah. is so, he curb stomp. He literally curb stomps a dog. Thankfully, you don't see it. Now, yeah. yes, an interesting point in this film is that 
while it could be considered incredibly violent, you don't actually see any violence. Also, when he's walking away, the dog isn't there. Yeah, again, it, it's one of those things that it could just be in his mind of mm-hmm. I didn't. I don't feel like I got enough catharsisism from killing someone. I need to do worse. Yeah, the same thing comes up again later on with the body bag. Yeah, but yeah, if you look, kind of look into every scene where he kills someone, you never actually see him. You never see any kind of violence or gore. It's usually always you see his face as he does it. You know? It's all about him. He's narrating the story. Yeah, exactly. Like, when the Hey Paul scene, for example, it's just locked in on his face. Or the scene with the chainsaw again, it's locked in on his face until it pans down to show you what happened, but you never actually see it happening. And I think it is, again, to kind of show the ambiguity of how much of this actually happened. So, after he kills the homeless man, he kind of just starts being a bit full of himself. He's he's talking, him, talking about how he thinks his mask of vanity is about to slip. So, then we go to the Christmas party. So, this is officially a Christmas film. I know Kyle does not agree with that statement. Not in the slightest. Do you agree with that statement, Scott? No, I'm on Kyle's side for this one. Ah, come on, boys. Christmas nah. film. Nah. <laughs> so anyway, at the party, I had on- I actually only noticed this the first time when I watched it with Kyle. I had to rewind it when I watched it again in the morning. Hamilton comes up to him, and he calls him by the wrong name as well. So it's not just a Paul Allen thing, you know? He also calls him by the incorrect name. And then right after this as well, his fiance comes up to him and says, that, oh, why are you late to the party? But he says he's been there the whole time. And I think that just kind of highlights how forgettable he actually is as a person. That his own fiance didn't even realize he was there. And the same again, he has a quick chat with Paul Allen and Paul Allen calls him the wrong name. And when his fiance kind of questions him on that he instantly changes the subject because i don't think his pride can take admitting something like that no so then we go to some paul allen scenes now paul allen is played by jared leto in case the fans at home are wondering and now the more cinema cultured of you will know that he has he has quite a very famous role as Doctor Michael Morbius. I'm uncultured, Morbius. I'm afraid. Mm. Oh, you've probably never seen Morbius. No, no, I've never seen Morbius. Ah, it's Morbin time, boys. <laughs> yeah, so he takes him to this restaurant. Uh, it's not a popular restaurant in the slightest. There's about two other tables, I think, that are getting sat at. I think he does this so that no one sees him there with Paul Allen. Because he's planning on offing him. You know? Mm-hmm. That's my takeaway. Anyway. But then he also he turns around and goes, is that Ivana Trump? 
uh, he even though he knows that he's about to kill him, he still wants to show off to call Alan and make him think that he's found this like fancy kind of underground restaurant before it gets big. And so then he gets uh, he gets Paul Allen drunk, and again he he says to Paul Allen, "I like to di- I like to dissect girls. Did you know that I'm utterly insane?" Which gets no reaction. Most likely something that didn't happen. <laughs> they then start talking about Patrick's girlfriend, and uh, Paul Allen says. Goes out with that loser Patrick Bateman. What a dork. I think this just shows that they're all exactly the same. Well, yeah. They all have the same job. Like, if you look at the business What do they do? What job do they do? It's like assistant... Yeah, but what do they actually do? Yeah. They're all Wall Street bankers that just Mergers and acquisitions. Ah, yes. So they talk to people. But they're, they're all effectively the same person. They're dressed the same. They all have the same haircut. They're near enough all wearing glasses. The only character that is different is Lewis Carruthers. And they all seem to kind of shun him for that. You never see him kind of being with the gang, so to speak. You know, he's all, he's always seems to be off on his own. And they all just kind of disregard him if he ever tries to come up to them. So anyway, we get we get to Patrick Bateman's house and there's some newspaper on the ground. Paul Allen's sitting in a chair. I think this is, I'd say, tied with the with the business card scene for the most iconic scene in the movie. Mm. Yeah. See, this is more. Yeah. I, uh, so, <laughs> Patrick starts talking about music, and he does this a lot throughout the film. I think there's three separate scenes where he's just talking about music, and he goes into kind of a bit of detail. And again, I think it's he wants to show off and act like he knows things. But there's one particular quote that I like from this scene. When he's talking about the song Hip to be Square by Huey Lewis and the News, he says, A song so catchy most people don't listen to the lyrics, but they should. Which I think kind of perfectly describes the film as well. Where a lot of people just watch it and they're just looking at kind of mindless violence and not not realizing that it's a satire and critique of the lifestyle. On silence from the boys here. <laughs> um, I kind of agree. Yeah, I just agree. Yeah, I don't really have much more to add to that. Okay, and then yeah, the first thing he says while killing Paul Allen is try getting a reservation at Dorsey and now, which again kind of shows his insecurities and his jealousy of Paul Allen. That the one thing he thinks about while killing someone is that. Haha, you're not going to be able to get a table at a restaurant. And it's it's the same way when he goes to Paul Allen's apartment to try and hide the body. He's annoyed that the apartment's nicer than his. 
he he cares about his image so much, even though he's just killed someone. I think we established that he doesn't have any emotions. No. Other than what was it he says at the start? Desire and greed or yes. jealousy. But I I think that's wrong. I th- like he's just like a little bad boy that no one likes. You know the kind of person that just tries to like act up to look like one of the cool kids. This is this is coming from the heart. Is no, somebody you're thinking of here? Is somebody specific you're thinking of? Maybe they're in this Discord call. <laughs> no, but you, you know what I mean—the kind of person that. There's a reason I found this relatable. <laughs> he tr- he tries to act completely different to get people to like him, because he's just sad and lonely. Um, so we then get introduced to Willem Dafoe's character of the detective. When the detective walks in, he appears. He fakes being on a phone call to tr- make himself look busy. And that's where I noted down we don't actually see him or any of the other members of the company do any work during the film at all. And instantaneously, Patrick gets defensive while the detective's talking to him. Which is embarrassing for him, to be honest. Yeah, he's... I don't quite get if he's the narrator why this isn't embellished as well. Well, I think so. It kind of is. So, fun fact: the every scene with Willem Dafoe has been shot three different ways. Once where he knows that Patrick killed Paul Allen, one where he thinks Patrick killed Paul Allen, and one where he thinks Patrick's completely innocent. Are they cutting in between them? And it's just, yeah, it's randomly cut in between them. Okay. Which I think kind of shows his mental state during these interviews. Yeah, because that that makes sense, because it does jump from completely casual to very suspect. Yeah, but it's because he'll be picking up on very little things and going, oh no, he knows. Like later on, when the the detective pulls out a Huey Lewis in the new CD, the same one that he played while killing Paul Allen, he instantly relates that to he knows. So then we see Patrick go and pick up a prostitute, and then he calls another one while he's in the taxi, and he tells them both that his name is Paul Allen. And he he wants them to know what he does for a living and how much money he makes. And kind of projecting his insecurities and his vanity here. He's filming the set, but the whole time he's looking at himself in the mirror and kind of like pointing to himself in the camera. Flexing and pointing. and Yeah. He's very self-absorbed. Yeah. And later when they're... uh... They're all lying in bed. One of them accidentally brushes his watch with his hand, with her hand, and he's like, "Don't touch the watch." And then off screen, he beats the both of the women with. I think it's hinted at that it's a coat hanger. Yeah, I didn't quite get that, but yeah, 
Because well, I think that's he, he slides the them. He slides them a lot of money as they walk away, though. Like you see, he pays them at the start, like when she first gets in the car, and yeah. then he pays her again there. So I think that's why they didn't go to the police or anything, is that he pays them off effectively. Because I would put it down to him making it up, but then we see later on in the film that the same woman's incredibly hesitant to get back into his car because of what happened. So it does kind of give it a bit of weight to being real. But anyway, I'll let Scott mention this and kind of talk about this next part, because he already briefly mentioned it before, but here we see the four main characters having a drink and the quote, there are no chicks with good personalities, comes out. That's at this bit. I thought it was later on. Oh, wait, no, it's in the same club area, isn't it? Yeah, they go to this club a good few times. Yeah. They're... I'm trying to remember which bit in the club this is. Sorry, my mind's just labelled that as one scene. So this is the scene where, after this, Lewis Carruthers shows them his business card. No, that helps. no. <laughs> okay, well, they have that chat about pretty much how they're effectively saying all women are good for is looking at. They're just laughing that the only reason some women have personalities is because they're ugly and they have to make up for being ugly. It's a horribly sexist scene. And then Lewis Carruthers comes along with his business card and Kyle mentioned it earlier. Do you want to talk about Mr. Carruthers' business card? It was white and it had gold writing. That's all I really remembered about it. It looked kind of fancy. Yeah, so it looked nice, but everyone kind of shuns him for it. And again, I think that goes into the everyone is very samey apart from him. He's the only one that you could He's the only one that stands out, out of the kind of cast of the Wall Street people. Would you boys agree? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it a bit hom- homophobic? I think, yeah, it is a bit homophobic yeah. as well, because he is shown in the scene to be gay. Even though yeah. he's engaged. But... Yeah, but... <laughs> when does that stop anyone? But yeah, so... Especially in this film. Patrick seems insulted by... Carruthers business card so he goes to strangle him in the toilet and Carruthers thinks that Patrick's coming on to him so turns around and gives him a kind of kiss on the glove and this kind of knocks him for a loop here so he just kind of like awkwardly runs away we, we see him wash his hands and he just seems incredibly annoyed at this notion which I think as Scott was saying kind of touches on the the possible homophobia being hinted at here which I think would make sense if the characters are homophobic they're everything else I mean they say they, they say a homophobic slur in a few scenes but uh, one thing I want to note here is Patrick quotes Ed Gein which is one of multiple times where he just kind of brings up prol- prolific serial killers in conversation. 
Ted Bundy's dog. Yeah, he yeah. talks about Bundy later. So anyway, uh, when we go back to the office, we see the detectives talking to the secretary about if they ever kind of chatted with Paul Allen. And Patrick sees this as kind of an attack on his character, I think. Of, why isn't he trusting me? Why is he checking in with her? So then he gives a fake alibi to the detective. Which we know is fake at the time, and the detective kind of goes, oh, well, that doesn't sound right. So he backs up going, oh, well, it might not be that, you know. He even says, oh, I was probably returning videotapes, which seems to be his go-to at any moment. It's such a good one, though. You know, he's just, he's viewing them videotapes. Or no, when you need a fresh supply, you need to return the old ones. So, yeah... One thing I want to get your opinion on is he talks about how he records the killings later on in the film. Do you think he returns those to the video store? Because part of me thinks that he's the kind of person that would do that because he wants people to see what he's done. Yeah, he's a little bit of this. him wants to get caught. Yeah. He's, yeah. He... Because, like, as you see throughout the film, he's slowly and slowly getting more and more outlandish with what he's doing, you know? I think he could be sending them back to the yeah. video shop. Mm -hmm. It's in the hopes that they get picked up. And... Yeah. Um. So, where are we? Yeah, so, uh, this is, as I said earlier, when the detective pulls out the Huey Lewis CD which does lead him to thinking that he's been caught, and he does make a bit of a racist remark about Huey Lewis there. And so then we cut to a scene where uh, he's in bed with Courtney again, cheating on his fiance. She tries to have like a serious conversation with him, but he just tries and compliments her to end the conversation. We then cut to the main four being in a club and they're doing cocaine in the toilets. Timothy complains about it being too weak and then someone <laughs> tells them, shut up, I'm trying to do drugs over here. And then Timothy calls that man a homophobic slur, which I will not be saying. And... After that, we see them talking to three different women, and Patrick says that he's in murders and executions. She hears this as mergers and acquisitions, which again is kind of the, the unreliable narratorness of Patrick here. We then cut to the next morning, and he's playing with a lock of hair. I'm assuming this is the woman he was talking to previously, sir. Don't know if you guys have any differing opinions on that. Mm. No. Yeah, because he goes outside with her yeah. afterwards, so yeah, I think that probably is her hair. He then invites his secretary, Jean, to dinner, and he pretends to book Dorcia, which I think kind of shows that from the start he has every intention of killing her when he gets her back to his house. And then... When he's at the house, he opens the fridge to get some sorbet, and there's a woman's head in there. Now, I don't know if we've seen this woman before in the film. 
Was that not the person from the previous scene with the hair that was missing? Maybe. It's hard to tell because you kind of—it's very quick. I kind of just took that to be that person. Yeah. Um. Gene here compliments Patrick on being quite fit and in shape, and he then replies, "You can always be thinner and look better," which shows his vanity. Then he also makes a reference to Ted Bundy, again talking about more serial killers. She, she does. Kind of... She does pick up on this though. Yeah. And like she, she, she notices all the different things. And about the fit thing, this is, he is fit, he is healthy. She sees that, but he doesn't, because he, he knows there is better. And I think it's probably kind of just showing the two different worlds that these characters are from, you know. He's, He's in his own head. Well, yeah, but also him and like all the other Wall Street bankers only care about themselves. It's like it kind of shows when Patrick's talking, no one's listening, and when other people are talking, he's not listening. But since she's not in that world, she's actually hearing what he's saying, stuff like that. Which I think mm. maybe is what kind of prevents him from killing her here a bit as well. But he kind of does a he does a little tour of his house. Where he just looks in different cupboards, looking at different weapons. He points a nail gun at the back of her head at one point. Saved then, by the bell. Yeah, his fiance <laughs> calls and says that he better not be getting with any women because he's all hers. And so Jean leaves. So we then cut to the next morning where he's having lunch with the detective. Um, we get told what the real Marcus's alibi is for Paul Allen's murder, which was that he was having dinner with Patrick and a lot of the other associates from the business. Which again here, I think it kind of shows potentially two points here. In that, one, how forgettable Patrick is that he wasn't even there and people remembered him being there. And two, the kind of kind of showing that people in this area of society can get away with anything effectively because they have money you know they're like I know I think that is kind of one of the messages from the film as well is just showing that these are the kind of people that don't face consequences for their actions yeah one uh, one thing I like about this is him trying to fit in again, um, because the detective puts salt on whatever his food is, and he puts like a reasonable amount of salt on. Patrick <laughs> then picks up the salt shaker and just shakes it for like five seconds straight over his food, just not realizing that that doesn't work fitting in wise. Yeah, he's just. Monkey see, monkey do kind of thing without yeah. realizing what it is he's actually doing. Imitating without any kind of context of what is an appropriate amount. So yeah, he then picks up one of the prostitutes from earlier and takes her back to Paul Allen's apartment. And there's another woman, woman there, sorry. And he spikes the wine. So he then 
the woman that he beat previously tries to sneak out, but as she's walking away, she sees that he kind of just starts eating the other woman. He, he comes up, and his mouth's like drenched in blood. And then he starts chasing her through the apartment, and then... Chasing interestingly, her. I this is I think this is this is a hundred percent him embellishing what happened because this seems quite a lot like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and earlier in the film he's watching that on the TV. He's running about butt naked with a chainsaw. Yeah, he's running. And with nobody the notices. Like he's running with the chainsaw. There's bodies hung up. On like meat hooks, so I think it is. And obviously, there's the cannibalism as well. There's a lot of parallels to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think all of that stuff didn't happen. He's just seen a film and thinking that it's happened. But yeah, she runs out the apartment and she's banging on doors and no one's answering. No one's coming outside, which again kind of gives validity of this not happening the way he's saying it happened. If you hear a chainsaw in an apartment building, you're probably going to go and see what's up. Yeah, take a wee peek. Maybe phone the police. I don't know. I would just stay inside. I don't want to mess with that. <laughs> now, another thing here is that he drops the chainsaw. And then what a shot. It hits her. This definitely didn't happen. Nah, what a shot. <laughs> because, as well... It's in her side. Yeah, the chainsaw's in her side, and he dropped it from above. Like, that's it might have hit a railing and just like yeah but we're talking about like a point point zero 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 one percent chance of that shot chance. he's just that good Joel he's just he that built good different skill shot. that might have just been a limitation of showing a chainsaw on a head might be a bit too much yeah potentially as well but then again they've shown a decapitated head In a fridge. In a back. Yeah, like they could have even had it in her back or something, you know? Yeah. Like any the side is the least believable place that could have hit her. But anyway. Enough with the logistics of dropping <laughs> chainsaws down a staircase. I think we'll need to take this as a practical experiment at some point. Right, Kyle, a you run down... tribute. Yeah, I was about to say, you run down some stairs and me and Scott will just drop some chainsaws. Yeah. If we hit you and you fail, I'll go next, Joel. Yeah. At least publish the final. And then if Kyle and then Scott fails, I'll just, like, make a contraption to automatically drop them while I'm running down the stairs. We will get to the bottom of this. So anyway, uh, next morning, out for brekkie. With the with the fiance and he's he's doing a little doodle, which again I think this is another bit of the unreliable narrator because he's drawing a woman that has a chainsaw in her side on the tablecloth <laughs> like some sort of child. Yeah, why has he got a crayon? Yeah, that yeah, this bit definitely didn't happen because he's got crayons. They don't give those to adults, unfortunately. No, they do. Some places do. <laughs> I've been where, crayons. Where are these places? <laughs> I'm hungry. I was given crayons at Pizza Hut in Aberdeen. Like, did you ask for the crayons? Or no, did just... I was just sitting having a meal on my own and they gave me crayons. <laughs> like a little piece of paper. I was like, oh, thanks. 
Yeah, you look lonely having crayons you can draw. Did you, did you draw? Oh yeah, I drew a pizza. Yeah. Did you then eat the crayons? No, I did not. You're messing up. It could have been garnish for the pizza. <laughs> they do have nutritional value. You could have asked for a grater. Just put it on top. Ah, oh, missed opportunity. So anyway, um, one thing I've got noted here is that when he's breaking up with Evelyn, he shows no emotion until she starts making a scene. Which he sees this as negatively potentially affecting his image, which is the point that he steps in and goes, I need to return some videotapes. <laughs> Works in every situation. <laughs> I think this is again him trying to fit in, because he's just thinking, what do people do? Okay, this is the early 2000s. They rent videos and they have to return the videotapes without him actually realizing what returning videotapes is. Because similar to the salt thing that Scott mentioned, it's a normal thing to do, but he's not doing it normally. Like, he wouldn't, in the middle of dinner, <laughs> middle just of go, a breakup. I got, I got, ah, shit, I got Shrek 2 on video, it needs to be returned. One of those late fees. Can't be, can't be having my blockbuster membership getting revoked. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the film gets real wacky from here on out. Uh, he goes up to a cash machine and asks him to feed it a cat. So he goes to feed it a cat, but then an old woman is like, "Nah, don't feed that a cat." By so feed it a cat, he is holding a gun to the cat at that point. Yeah. So he just shoots her instead. And then he gets into a shootout with the police. And then he shoots both of the cars twice and they blow up. But even he seems surprised by this. So you yeah. see him, he, he, he inspects the gun. I think that's the one and only time in a movie where I've seen where they're like, wait, what? Why did that go boom? We, I think that's the finally him realize that's the kind of moment of mm, there's something wrong with me. <laughs> um, he then goes into an apartment building. The receptioner call the receptioner, the receptionist calls him Mister Smith. So obviously, the only valid thing to do in this situation is shoot that guy. Naturally. So mm -hmm. then he goes into another apartment building. Now, interestingly. The he also time, shoots the, the cleaner as he's yeah, leaving. he shoots the cleaner. <laughs> we always see him pull the gun out of his left breast pocket. Goes into the second apartment building. We see him reach in there, but he pulls out a pen this time. Goes upstairs and phones his lawyer and confesses to everything. I don't think any of this happened. Uh, I think him calling think, his lawyer did. I think him, him calling his... the lawyer happened, but from from the, the shooting the sh at yeah. the cat at the cash machine to the point of him just before he phones the lawyer, none of that happened. That's what I think he thought happened. Because one thing is in the next scene when they're at the bar, you can hear the news in the background. They never, they're not talking about a manhunt. Yeah. If yeah, this really happened, he killed like eight people in a row very quickly. 
Yeah, and the lawyer doesn't react in the next scene either. No, and the the lawyer wouldn't be thinking it was a joke if this person phoned in after, right after a killing happened. Yeah. And we also see him, when he's phoning the lawyer again, no, he phones the receptionist, sorry, in the morning, and we do see him taking medication prescribed by, is it a psychiatrist? Let me check. I believe so. Uh, images. This is once again continuing her actually seeing him. Yeah. Yeah, so it says um, take only as prescribed by psychologist. So he is on he is on pills for his mental state. Um, he very much is definitely taking incorrect doses because we see him here just take a fistful of them. And yeah, as Scott says, he's going crazy on the phone and she actually notices that. He then goes into the bar and speaks to the lawyer who doesn't think it's Patrick Bateman. The lawyer has him confused with the same person that Oh no, sorry, I have completely missed an important scene. <laughs> oh, so he goes to Paul Allen's apartment to clean up. And the apartment has been completely cleared out. Now, interestingly, you can see kind of paint buckets around. Which kind of insinuates that maybe it was just recently done up. But the woman selling the house... She says there's no one named Paul Allen that's ever lived there. So also said, all of the bodies and all of the yeah, all of it's gone. All of it's gone. But I think this is one of those kind of more open ended, open ended scenes where it's uh, you're either left believing that he truly did kind of make all of it up, or is the lawyer just shit hot and has covered for him completely. I don't know, do you have opinions on that one, boys? What do you think? I think it's all imagined. I think it's all in the set. Yeah, I think it's all a bit of a episode. Yeah, so I, I'll i finish the film first, actually, and then we can talk about the psychology of it all, because we're just so close to the end. So yeah, as I said, he seizes... Uh, he has a psychotic breakdown on the phone to Jean. She goes into his office and finds his diary, which dates all the supposed murders and has some very graphic drawings of murder in it. Uh, when he arrives at the bar, his lawyer thinks that the phone call was just a prank and his lawyer calls him Davis multiple times, not realizing it's Bateman. Is he also lawyer... says it would be believable if you didn't make it Bateman. Yeah, he says, like, I could imagine anyone doing this apart from Bateman. Which really sets him off. Yeah, his lawyer then says that he had dinner with Paul Allen twice in London. And then the news, then he goes back to the table and the film ends on him saying this confession has meant nothing. But interestingly, in the background during this scene, the news is showing a Reagan speech 
which one I'd say suggests that the massive shootout didn't happen because they do quite emphasize the TV news here. So I think if that shootout happened, it would be on that news. And also the Reagan speech is very, very similar to the the kind of speech he gave about the political climate of the world earlier at dinner in the film. Which I think, again, is showing that he doesn't have his own opinion at all, really. He just is a regurgitated mess of what he thinks he should be. But that's the film. So, what do you boys want to talk about? Do you have any points you want to discuss? I think whether it's real or whether any of it happened. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's... Yeah. I know. I know you say that they've said it's that he is a serial killer. I don't think any of the ones in this happen. So I think they, it's all in his head. The writer has stated that the ones in this have happened. They have happened. Yes, um, it's left slightly open ended because that's the kind of there's ambiguity in the book it's based on as well. But the ambiguity is meant to more be how they happened, not did they happen. And the writer herself has admitted that she does regret leaving it too ambiguous. Because people are thinking he isn't a serial killer. He is. Just based. Public service announcements. That, that is that is satire. That is not... <laughs> That's not yeah, my um, opinion. So, Kyle, your opinions on the, the realness of it all? Um... Considering like how he speaks to himself and nobody hears, how things begin to get more outlandish as time goes on, the couple of references to the pill bottle that he's probably meant to be taking, and how he seems to just spiral more and more mentally, I think it would be safe to say that he was having a psychotic or schizophrenic episode. Hiya. What about you, Scott? Yeah, I can see him just kind of. It, it it does get more and more, uh, kind of exaggerated and outlandish. Because at the start, it's kind of yeah. like that could happen. He could kill Paul Allen like that. But running about shooting people, yeah, he's just slipping further and further into an episode. So, yeah. So, in my mind, anyway, I think the way it's happening is. Homeless man is exactly what happened. Maybe bar the dog, I'd say, because as you say, the dog isn't there when we go back onto the scene. Paul Allen, I read a really interesting theory about this one online. So, one theory I saw is that he didn't actually kill him, but he kind of socially killed him. So we hear the the alibi that most people have for Patrick for Paul Allen's disappearance is that they were all at a dinner party together. But Patrick took Paul Allen away from that dinner party, which could kind of isolate him from the social circle. And again, with the line try getting a reservation at Dorsey and now maybe shows his his dropping in social status. And with the way Paul Allen view, eh, not Paul Allen. With the way Patrick views everything, he would probably see losing your social status as effectively being dead. 
Yeah. You also see when he when he's taking Balan's body out um, in a bag, you see him dragging it, leaving a blood trail. The scene, like the next scene straight after, you're looking back in, and there's no trail. Yeah. He's just holding <laughs> a bag. So it's yeah, um, an unreliable narrator. Hundred percent. With the again with the the scene in Paul Allen's apartment, it's very, very similar to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I would say that was just a filmmaker's homage if it wasn't shown that he was watching the film earlier. It makes me think that he's seen something and went and just imagined himself doing it. Again, it is very possible that he did kill the prostitute and the other woman, but maybe he just kind of killed them a bit. Well, no, feels weird saying killed them normally, but you know what I mean. Didn't kill them as... Didn't kill them as outlandishly as he's not with a chainsaw down no, flight like, of stairs. Potentially, he just stabbed them both in an alleyway, like he did with the homeless man. But he's embellishing it in his mind to be a bit more like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which he just viewed. And then the shootout, I don't think any of that happened, as I said. it's Even he's seeing at that point that it's unbelievable. He kind of has his breaking point. He looks at the gun. And there's no manhunt the next day. Everything's normal. One thing I also noticed is that the two, the two buildings he goes into are identical. You know how he goes into the one building, kills the receptionist, kills the cleaner, yeah, and exits and goes straight into another building. They're identical buildings. Yeah, because the second building is the building it's he works one. in, isn't it? No, it's his apartment building. I thought it was um, the building he works in because he goes into the he sits in his office and Does calls he? his lawyer. I thought yeah, it was his house it's... he sits in. No, no, I think it's his office. Uh, well, I don't. I don't. I think the way that's happening is that the first one is him seeing what he wishes has happened, and then the second time is what actually happened. Yeah, I think you're right with that one. Yeah, but as I think this is a film that does benefit from kind of a second viewing because, as you say there's a lot to think about with it and it's a lot to take in all in one viewing mm-hmm. especially if you don't really know what you're getting into beforehand I just came here for the memes yeah the memes were good the memes are good the memes do live up to the memes it does have some genuinely f- hilarious moments in it just that the Huey Lewis in the news scene and the business card scene. Just... And the flexing in the mirror. The makes flexing. me think of someone in particular. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> Bold oh, to assume thinking... it was you. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of someone else. Oh, you were talking about me. <laughs> Guilty conscience. Someone's been doing that. <laughs> yeah, just every single time. It's impossible not to. You set up a camera, you set up a giant mirror. Flex. Kill them afterwards. Kill them afterwards. Shit, I didn't admit to that part. Make sure they cut that out, cut that out. Save that for the court hearing. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think think I've said everything I want to. Do you boys have anything you want to add in? 
before we wrap this uh, one up? No, I mean, I've got my takeaways as usual. Um, do you want to hear them? Um, well, th- let's just double check first? in with Kyle. Does he have anything else he wants to he wants to say? No, I think I covered everything at the beginning. I kind of left myself hanging dry after that. So, um, probably won't watch it again, though. Oh, yeah. I just had a message in from Scott. He is, he is going to be one second. I am returned. Oh, d- I was quite that... literally one second. The only man to ever mean that literally. That's the most literal one second. By the time I'd read the message, he was back. <laughs> he probably spent more time typing the message that he did. Hundred percent, it's me. Slow as hell. So yeah, um, if we're gonna do opinions, I don't know if we want to do the closing opinions in the same kind of most negative to most positive. So we'll start with Kyle here. Um, mediocre movie, overhyped, won't watch again. Easy. <laughs> okay. Okay, I think I am. I am not that harsh. Um, I will give it another watch at some point. I think it's worth that. I think it's it's possibly a product of the time that maybe made a bit more sense then, but overall, entertaining. Yeah, I I love this film, but I do think it's it's current in the current state. It's suffering from its own success. I think it's it's so popular mm-hmm. right now, and so talked about that people that haven't seen it are going in with impossible to match expectations. You know, like films yeah. that are talked about this much, there's very few that can actually live up to to the expectations. I think if I went into it completely blind, I would have enjoyed it far more. Yeah. Um, do we want to give it Huey Lewis and the News CDs out of five? You're not doing business cards? Okay. Well, yes, yeah, business. It needs to be fine, business cards. Fine, business cards out of five. Kyle? Well, I will go with uh, 3.2 business cards out of five. That's higher than I thought, given how negative you are on it. I'm giving it a bit of leeway based on, I think I was ruined by the hype. You can't can't criticise the acting in it. No, the acting is phenomenal. Christian Bale's... It's probably one of my favourite performances in any film. Sweating on command. Sweating on command. And the scene where he's phoning the lawyer as well. That was so well done. Yeah. Scott, how many business cards? See, Kyle's makes me feel like I want to put it higher, but I'm going to put it at three and a half. With the possibility of going to four on a rewatch. Fair. I mean, I said this already. It's five business cards from me. I love it. But, as I said, I did, first time I went into this, I didn't have the expectations that you two had. Yeah. I think this is like a mirror of Pan-Man, almost. Nah, because like, I... I went nah, into it completely I was... blind, and I loved it. Yeah. 
then I hyped you guys up a little too much. Well, no, much. because the problem was is that Scott didn't realize the hype that you were giving us was ironic hype. No, it was second. <laughs> it was second-hand hype. Which Scott, is... <laughs> Scott literally believed that he was actually about to watch the full-on like cinematic Citizen Kane level masterpiece. I was, I was sold, and, and not like a, a movie slasher movie. Oh god. I went in <laughs> expecting B movie slasher, and I was pleasantly surprised. Oh, we should... So don't do any horror slasher things prior to that. So you know what we should do? Because you said B movie, and I was like, oh, we need to oh, watch the no, B movie. No, we do. We have to. We can do Bugs Life as well. Yes, and ants. And ants. Oh no. <laughs> okay, maybe we don't need to do both of those. Oh, no, like it's okay, Joel. When you're when you're not here, when you yeah. miss one, or you're at concert or something. Yeah, do like can... insect a week when I'm on holiday. <laughs> yes, that would actually be great. We can do Jaws on Shark Week. Now nah, we're doing Jaws in January for special oh, guest. Oh. Ooh. Speaking of insects, we could also do a uh, Spider Man. Mm, which ones? Oh, Raimi <laughs> which trilogy. One? Raimi trilogy. Raimi's like the OG. Toby Maguire, yeah. Yeah. Oh, those some of us are young and haven't seen them. I've seen two out of the three at least. Right, which ones did you see? Name the villains. Flash. <laughs> He's not the villain, that's just the scene I think of when I think of it. Um a good scene to be for that Spider Man one. Is that Spider Man one? That's Spider Man one. Or am I crossing Oh, I think I might be crossing ones. There, there's one with like the electrical dude. Is that the different ones? Oh, that's amazing, Spider-Man too. That's amazing, Splash. There's too many. Did you see the one with Fair Doc Ock? No, I haven't seen the Doc Ock one. Did you see that's the one with Venom and Sandman? That was also a great one. Wait, I've definitely no. seen part of that one. Wait, we might be able to introduce this man to Bully Maguire, Kyle. Yes! Let's go! Oh, you've not lived if you've not seen Bully Maguire. <laughs> Next Hello. he's gonna tell us he hasn't seen Jumanji. Do you want me to disappoint you? No. I'm gonna disappoint you. He's no! Seen, he's not seen The Goonies. But you've not seen Jumanji. No, I've not seen Jumanji. I'm gonna be honest. I was not seen. Brandon I might have watched Frazier's Jumanji, but I saw that there's like 500 sequels, and I was like, "There's three Jumanji movies in total, and there's only one that actually exists." Nah, the, the Kevin Hart Rock ones are actually quite good. I like them. Are they? Yeah, they're they're fun. That's I watched what me like, off one of them. It's like seeing the trailers for those. Oh no, the original is genuinely a work of art. Okay, we'll need to watch that then. What other films do we need to bully this Traumatized a generation. Oh, there's probably a lot. Um, Goonies, have you seen Watership Down? Have nope. you been traumatized by that? That's, that's, a, that's a Christmas Day viewing on BBC One right there. Oh yeah, Christmas classic that you watch when you're like six years old yeah. and then you just get traumatized. Ooh, cartoon bunny rabbit. And your parents let you watch it because they went through this crisis as well. You've seen all four Shrek movies, right? 
No, I've seen one, two, and four, I believe. Oh, no, yeah, keep it that way. Yeah, just don't change that. That's 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 quite a good way to watch the Shrek movies. To be fair, or some of our big classics that Scott needs to watch. Have you seen the like Wait, the really four old the one? Is for the one with the, the pipe, the Piper, which is the Piper one? No, I think that's Shrek the third. So Shrek third. Oh, it might be one, uh, two, and three then. The fourth one's good. The fourth one's good. Have you classic? seen the live action uh, Peter Pan? Like the really old one. No. Oh, it's good. It's good. It's a bit dark, though. Just turn up the contrast on your TV. Ah, shut up, you. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen Jurassic Park? I've seen some of them. I've seen the first one. Okay, that's fine. Um, fine. uh, I'm just scrolling through my letterbox here. There's going to be a lot. Like, majority I've probably not seen. I, I don't Man see Barbie, and that's all that matters. I've not seen Barbie. When it comes out on streaming, we're watching Barbie. Yeah, we're doing that. And I already know me and Scar instantly giving it five stars. I love that film. It's so good. Uh, have you seen you Mean Girls? So hard. I've not seen Mean Girls. Mean Girls is great. Like, I, went, I hate that kind of movie, where it's like your high school chick flick nonsense. But, like, I was bullied into watching it by a friend of mine. And she, like, set the bar pretty high. And then I watched it. I was like, that was the best trash I've seen in a long time. You do seem to get bullied into a lot of things. How many of the Indiana Joneses have you seen? Uh, um, I think I've I've seen seen... all of them up to Crystal Skull. (laughs) I've seen Crystal Skull. I think I've seen one other one, um, but I don't remember which. Did the Nazi's face get melted off? Yep. Okay. Yep. Wait, did you say you haven't seen The Mummy? Yeah, he's not, not seen, seen Brendan. Oh my god! You weren't influenced at a young age to have a very specific type. <laughs> or traumatized at a very specific age. Oh yeah, the Scarabs. I what about what Pirates of the Caribbean? I've seen all of them. Good. That's good. Um, what about the Rockies? Nope. I've not seen any of them. Oh. I haven't even seen Fight Club. We're just life. hurting you here. To be fair, I can't complain about Rocky. I watched Rocky for the first ever time on the 9th of March this year. Oddly specific. Because I'm I'm scrolling through my letterbox style. <laughs> all right. <laughs> what films I need to judge Scott on. Uh have you seen Lilo and Stitch at least? Nope. What? what? <laughs> That's the best Disney movie. Nah, no, 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 no. There's going to be a lot in here that nah, are going to be. Stitch is better. Nah, Treasure Planet is nah, leaps nah, and bounds better. Nah, Lilo and Stitch is better. Lilo and Stitch Have you seen Atlantis? Lilo and Stitch solos. Do we want to tie up this review? No, we're still trying to oh, get mad no. at you. <laughs> We're going to get past, like, two hours. See, I'm annoyed, oh, shit, you're, yeah. I'm annoyed you're away next week, Kyle, because I kind of want to make him watch Lilo and Stitch. Um, I'm sure I can do the podcast from, like, a rock wall. <laughs> My audio quality won't be great. Unless we did a midweek recording next week, boys. Right, this, this is an off-podcast conversation. Let's close this one up. Um, So, next week, I'm not going to say what film you're going to get, because... 
as you can tell, we don't know. Being decided. <laughs> I'm gonna stop doing today. that at the end because last week I said we were gonna be watching Krampus, and then that got that got cancelled because we realised Chicken Run comes out soon. So we <laughs> we shuffled the whole schedule so that we could watch Chicken Run too, which is valid. It's Chicken Run too. I think I need to watch the first one. Please don't t- say for the first time. Please tell me it's a rewatch. No way, bro's never seen Chicken Run. I've seen Stop. like bits of. Oh pieces. no! Don't even expect me to have seen that. Don't expect me. Don't expect, oh my God. <laughs> don't expect me to have seen anything. It's Chicken oh, no. Run. <laughs> we just broke Joel. It's Chicken Run. <laughs> bro spawned in. Haven't seen Chicken Run. <laughs> Nah, nah. I Surely not. Think... You spawned in seeing Finding Nemo. I, I don't worry. I have. Seen I've seen Finding, Nemo, Finding Nemo. Nemo, but I remember more about Chicken Run than Finding Nemo. Chicken Run is great. Wait, is oh. Chicken Run the one about the chickens and like the tip cows and shit? No, that's Barnyard. I've seen Barnyard then. <laughs> <laughs> is no, there a UFO might... in Chicken Run? I don't think so. Chicken runs the one done by the guys that did Walls and Gromit. Wait a minute. Playmation. Have I seen Chicken Run? What the hell is that? I've not seen Chicken Run. Why does that make me think of Over the Hedge? Nah, Over the Hedge wishes it was Chicken Run. I have seen this. I thought it was a fever dream. No, it's Chicken Run. <laughs> oh my god. Then yes, I have seen it. <laughs> and they're making another one. Oh, I'll need to rewatch the first one. There was a PS1 game for this? Yeah. You know, we are a, so off track. There's a Barnyard PS game. I think it was PS2. And in like the bonus features, you could see animations of all the cows just squirting milk. Wait, no, that's not even the game that the movie I was thinking of. What was it? It was something to do with chicken. Are you thinking of Chicken Little? Oh, it's Chicken Little! We've gone so off topic. (laughs) Stop interrupting us. We're having a chicken conversation here. Oh my god. There's some banging chicken movies, to be fair. Okay, we should wrap this up. The listeners are probably dying here. All of our chicken-based movies. Okay, while they're while Joel's contemplating chicken, um, I'm going to run through my couple of takeaways. One of them is the only excuse you ever need is you need to return some videotapes. And the other one is it's okay to kill your colleagues as long as it's in your head. Which I say with two colleagues. Yes, you um... and Gromis Curtis of the Were-Rabbit. Are you going to disagree with me on that, Kyle? Are you saying it's okay to kill your colleagues in real life? If nobody finds out. Oh, shit. Yeah. Honestly, you could probably kill me and very few people would notice. Oh my god, I forgot my about Monday Home plans on the Range. Changed. Oh, hey. You boys ever see Home on the Range? No. No. Oh, go, go, this is a fever dream right here. Oh god, I have seen that. It's on Disney Plus! <laughs> Why was there like an early 2000s obsession with animated 
farmyard animal movies. Can you stop saying movies that are like I had locked away years ago in my memory thinking I had just like dreamed that shit when I was ill and drinking like orange Lucozade. Because that was like the miracle cure back in the day. I'm trying to remember I used to watch this TV show. It was an animated TV show. And, uh, oh dear. And I always watched it when I was ill because they sold the DVDs in Poundland. And I can't remember. Oh no. It was something like My Nanny's a Mummy. I've never heard of that. Nope. I'm trying to find it now. Oh, 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 Mummy Nanny! I found it. Go look up Mummy Nanny. Oh, wait, I've seen that. Anytime I was off school ill, I was watching Mummy Nanny. I used to have all the DVD box sets. (laughs) Oh, yeah, this this is the stuff back in the day. God, that is some early 2000s. (laughs) What was that? Oh, there was a like an anime type TV show um, where it was like the goalkeeper would be able to like put his hand out and be like, "Oh, goalkeeper, magic power, whatever," and it would put like a giant hand to like save the shot. Did you guys ever see that? No. No, I thought it was just like a figment of my imagination, kind of like the descent ending. Is it but turns out, Conan, the eleventh striker. No, it's a French anime called Galactic Football. Of course I've not seen that. Oh, but yeah, it was on a Cartoon Network. What about the Crank Twins? Oh yeah, Ed and Nettie as well. Uh, what other bangers were there? Shaolin Showdown. Johnny Test. Johnny Test is good. Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Also good. Courage the Cowardly Dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott's never seen any of these, has he? Codename Kids Next Door. Animated George of the Jungle. Yes! See, Scott, you probably grew up on, like, Fairly Odd Parents and Spongebob. Hey, don't diss the Fairly Odd Parents. Fairly Odd Parents was a banger. I don't even remember what Jimmy Neutron. Dexter's Laboratory. Laboratory. Yes. Yes! I don't like how we just said so many words at the exact same time there. I'm not a fan of that either. The brain cell has merged. <laughs> Can I borrow the brain cell to close off this podcast? Wait, what about yes. Drake and Josh? Yes. Sweet Life of Zack and Cody as well. Heenan and Kel. God, never ends. Oh, what was, what was <laughs> that one where it was like the witches... They were at like a train station or something, or a subway. Wizards of Waverly Place! Yes! Yeah, that was good. Anyway, let's end, let's end the podcast. We can, con- yeah, we can continue oh, this after. Oh, that's the classified school survival guide. Oh, God. Please. You know, you know Joel, stop. Joel, Daddy, shut stop. up. Joel, you know, shut up. No, no, shut up. I have a fun fact. You know they were going to do a modern day remake and Ned's the classified school survival guide? Gonna be set in like the workplace. That would actually be pretty good. But then Nickelodeon said no, and then Paramount cancelled the iCarly reboot after leaving it on a cliffhanger. I'm very annoyed at that. The iCarly reboot was good. There was an e- there was an episode where Spencer accidentally 
got Freddy and Escort. It was a good episode. That sounds like it was not an episode, but something on a certain type of site. The, it's a, the, honestly, if you what describe you any of the episodes from the iCarly reboot, it sounds like a fever dream. But it happened. Anyway. Anyway, this, this was song. about American Psycho. We've spent more time talking about other things. We've had fun, boys, haven't we? You and I have. I don't know if Scott has. <laughs> I've been bullied, insulted, and berated. Nothing Save new. Some cool for the rest of us, Magnum PI. <laughs> and on that note, Fuck we'll you. see you in the next one. <laughs>